I get it started You are now tuned in to my parents' office yeah, With Brett Castle and Andrew Diaz New, new dropping, yeah, you know where I'll be at Believe that, New England flow in your speakers Tryna run game, lace heat like sneakers In a flashlight, lightning bugs I pop up at your spot and I'm lighting up, yeah JR on a mic and I'm next to blow No commercials, I turn it to an episode Better get down to business, begin the show So let me get going, welcome to MPO What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the My Parents Office podcast. I am your host, Andrew Diaz. Today we got episode 126 of the show. We've got a uh, Super Bowl draft doing the goods and the bads of the Super Bowl um, and the whole history of the big game, along with uh, some Giants talk with Coach Brian Mazzone. And on the second half of the show, we have uh, Connecticut High School uh, sports reporter Chris Saunders we discuss uh, UConn football and the connect between recruiting in Connecticut to kind of help save the UConn program with Jim Mora. But before we get started, make sure you follow us on social media at my parents office on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. my parents office podcast on Facebook and articles from the office on Substack. But uh, we're going to get into the draft coach Mazzone. How are you bit uh, long waited return for you back to the show. Yeah, I guess it's been a little while. So uh, thanks for having me back on. I'm always happy to talk about the Super Bowl. I know this is uh, talking a little bit before. This is your, uh, would you say if you were doing like trivia, would this be one of your niche categories? If you had to pick. Oh, no doubt. Mm -hmm. No doubt. The I here's my issue, though. Um, I know everything to like Super Bowl 47. Mm hmm. And then like, like when the Patriots just started going all like it ruined it for me. Like, honestly, when the Patriots went to 10 Super Bowls, it just ruined it for me. Like I would watch the Super Bowl. It was my favorite day of the year. Yeah. And then I'd just be angry. Um, and the year that it was Patriots Eagles and there was, that was twice. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually rooting for the Eagles and it like made me sick to my stomach to root for yeah. the Eagles. Um, that was one of the lowest moments for me in the Super Bowl. So recently less, you know, I got to piece things together, but if you give me like one to 47, I know it seemed to know like everything. Okay, so if you were doing it, would it be like a certain thing about the Super Bowl where it's your niche or just like up to Super Bowl 47, uh, just all all the knowledge coming at you? Uh, So I always tell this because kids say they hear this and then of course I have to admit it. I could name every Super Bowl, the location, Mm -hmm. the two head coaches, the two quarterbacks, the MVP and the score. It's pretty good. I can do that. I can do that all till 40. I think 40, I think I could get to 49. I don't, the scores, I, I, I don't know past, past those ones. That's, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's, it's a load of useless knowledge. Yes. That, that's (laughs) what I feel with, uh, whenever we're uh, talking football up at school, they're like, uh, where'd that guy go to college? And I'm out like, see with playing so much Madden over the years, I know I could probably do just about every starting O-lineman in the league where they went to college. And it's something I'll never use, which is the most, like if that were my major, knowing where that was, I would be the the best in college. Like that would be right in my wheelhouse. But unfortunately, uh, international business doesn't call for me knowing that. So this <laughs> do, it does kind of uh, take up a spot in my brain for stuff that I will never use. Do you ever play the number or the initial game with your friends? So you do like the initials and or like number, then you think of like the first player to come to mind. Yeah. And you got to pass it back and forth, you know, double, 
double initials goes back to the person. Like we, we can, me and some of my friends can do that for hours. It's tough because out of like my friend group, the only person that I could probably like legitimately play that with is Cam LeBlanc. All my, like everybody else, it's, they, they don't spend the amount of time that Cam and I do on this type of stuff. So it would be, I mean, I would be the most, I would be so dominant at it. I would be like, early 2000s Tiger Woods against my friends playing this game. I would just <laughs> absolutely slaughter them. It, there, it would be no competition. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, it's, use, it's a lot of useless knowledge, but I have it. So for the draft, we're going to, for the first time, we're going to be doing an eight round draft where we'll do, um, it's the same four categories, just you're f- for doing those. You're picking a good player, bad player, good Super Bowl moment, a bad Super Bowl moment, um, a good Super Bowl, bad Super Bowl, good tradition, bad tradition, can't overlap, can't do, uh, like before, you can't do the same, and we'll just bounce back and forth. With you being the guest, doing your first draft on the show, you get the number one overall pick, um, and you can start wherever you want, really, category-wise, and I'll uh, fill it in on the uh, Google Doc here. All right, so now I want you to pick the category first. You want me to go first? No, I want you to pick the category first. All right, we'll go, you know, we'll go player first. Okay, best Super Bowl player. Mm-hmm. I don't want Tom Brady and he's he deserves it. So I don't want I don't want Tom Brady. So I'm just saying that. I'm gonna go with Charles Haley, number I, one overall. I was between I would see my second so knowing I was gonna go second, I was gonna be between those two for the pick. Because Haley is what the, the guy with the second most amount of rings in yeah. the next would obviously be Brady. Right, right. He's Brady's got six and he has five. And Haley had what? He had was it three with San Fran, two with Dallas? Yeah, because San Fran let him go. So he had the back to back with San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I believe no, he must have. Yeah, so he's got five. Maybe he got all three with the Cowboys. Because he got he got two, he got two with the Niners. He got mm-hmm. 24, 23, 24 with the Niners. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to the Cowboys, but it, it had to have been around that time because he couldn't have won. Cowboys won 92, 93. Yeah. Niners won 94. Cowboys won 95. Um, so he must have been Cowboys for those for three of those. Yeah. I mean, it, it's – is he a Hall of Fame? Is he in the Hall of Fame? He is, yes. Okay. Yeah. I, think that, I think it was like a real – see, the problem is it's the same thing with baseball that we just saw. The media didn't like him. Yeah. And then he came out that he has like a bipolar disorder and all this stuff. And everyone's like, oh, well, he had mental health issues. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, now they're sensitive to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's how with, with the whole steroid thing, I think going to baseball hall of fame and you're completely right. It's all about the media. It's, I mean, I think Ortiz did steroids, even though I'm a Red Sox fan, it's, he popped on the test. The, I just uh, thought he was working really hard. He reinvented himself. That's what they said. That's the same you know? uh, argument with uh, Kobe. He changed, yeah, he changed yeah. the number. He went from eight to 24 and shaved his head. And everybody forgot that he was, he was a rapist when he was. Uh, yes. Uh, no, rapist. totally different. Totally different person after that. Yeah. But, but it's almost like the past didn't happen. That's the whole thing with like bonds. Bonds was just an asshole to like the media. So he's not liked, or he, he's, he won't get in even though, I mean, he's a steroid guy, but he won't, he will not get the votes because he was not nice to a lot of the media members. Yeah, I, I like that he didn't get. I think he should be in, but I like, like I said to somebody about Clemens and Bonds, like, aren't you upset? And I was like, no. They're like, why? I was like, I'm 
they're terrible people who probably hurt a lot of people's feelings and were terrible to them. I was like, so what if we hurt their feelings? I was like, yeah. we don't let them in the club, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so you go Charles Haley. I mean, I'm going to go with the obvious one. It, it's I, I'm going to go with Brady just because it, it is tough because he – if you look at a lot of the Super Bowls he did win, a lot of them weren't. I, they were partly because of him, but, like, the Atlanta comeback, he got a lot of help from – Big plays like the Edelman play obviously was a huge one, and the defense stepped up in the second the second half um, to help push them. And a lot of his ones when he was younger, I don't put on him, but just his record in the Super Bowl as a starting quarterback is is so good at six and three. No other player has been to nine Super Bowls with with different teams as well. But he's been to ten, hasn't he? He's seven and three, right? Oh, he, yeah, seven and three because he won. Yeah. Uh, with Tampa, yeah, right. I mean, Tampa was the seventh. What's crazy about so, it, it's like the LeBron effect with Brady. If, if he wants a guy like that, to, that whole Tampa team was guys yeah. that he wanted. And the same pat this past year where they brought AB back, and then he, I mean, he's Brady was the only Brady was the only guy fighting for AB to stay still be in the league. So it, the, it, the the thing about Brady is that Eagles Super Bowl. In the second Giants Super Bowl, mm-hmm. he was phenomenal in both those games, and they lose. Now, the Giants game, he started off slow, but then he set a record for, like, most consecutive passes or whatever, mm-hmm. and he kind of picked the Giants apart for two quarters, but then the points. But that Eagles game, he was outstanding. He had, like, 500 yards passing in that game. Yeah. They lost. The first Eagles Super Bowl, he was really good, too. That's where Deion Branch was MVP. Um, yes, yes. But, you know, it's funny because if you look at Brady's history in the playoffs, Brady was terrible – in the championship games. Mm-hmm. Some of his worst games in the championship games, like he had three interception games multiple times, but they won. Mm-hmm. They overcame his mistakes and they won those games. Um, so, yeah, I think Brady would probably be your first pick, but I can't pick Brady. I'm going Charles Haley. Yeah. And the, like you said, it is almost disappointing that probably his two best Super Bowl performances were both losses, which which is yeah. the, the toughest thing to see because he is such a great player. But and then uh, did Edelman win it for the Falcons game? No, Edelman won it for the Rams game. Okay, that's another one. Another one Brady wasn't great in. It, it's yeah, just and and they win too because their defense was just so that their defense was unreal that year. And right, Jared Goff just wasn't Jared Goff's not that guy. Right. All right, so we'll flip it now. I mean, we'll stay in the. I want to stay in the player category we'll go bad player in the Super Bowl, a guy that maybe got there a few times and didn't perform or maybe had the one one shot on the big stage and just kind of shit the bed. So uh, I'm curious who you're going with. I want to pick a guy who actually didn't really play, but he lost five consecutive Super Bowls. Gail Gilbert, he was the backup quarterback. He was third string for the Bills and then backup for the Chargers in Super Bowl 29. He lost five in a row. So that was one of the ones I wanted to pick. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as who played terrible in those games, um, that's a tough one. Played terrible. I mean, Peyton Manning had that one against the, uh, the Seahawks. That, that was, was like – and he wasn't good in the Super Bowl. He won with no. the Colts or the Broncos. No, He was good against the one they lost to the Saints. Um, you know, who was really, really terrible, if I recall correctly, um, 
I'm going to have to go with Kerry Collins, Super Bowl 35. Kerry Collins, Super Bowl 35. He threw four picks that game, I believe. Tied Drew Bledsoe, who also had four picks against the uh, Packers. Packers that year, yeah. That, yeah, that. It, it, another another kind of baffling one that the the games that Peyton's in the Super Bowls that he does win he's just not good in in the Seahawks when they lost but like that Carolina one again is another example of how nasty that defense was for the 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 Broncos and yeah. same with uh, the Colts and I mean he had a really good supporting cast at receiver and tight end when he was with the Colts. That Colts one, Dominic Rhodes should have been MVP, but you knew they were giving it to Peyton because it was his first one and he was getting he was good enough. But Dominic Rhodes, he like they ran out the clock the whole second half and he had over 100 yards rushing. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna go for my bad player pick. I'm gonna go with a guy that um lost four Super Bowls through six interceptions total in those super or actually he he started for three of them. And through six interceptions. Fran Tarkenton? I'm going Fran Tarkenton. As a Vikings fan, it's painful because though that that might have been a top five D line to ever play the game of football, just all together. And for the it to be blown by a guy who's regarded as one of the 20 best, 15 best quarterbacks of all time, to just play so subpar. He only threw one touchdown in those in three Super Bowls with f- under 500 yards. So it, it's Super disappointing. Joe Cap started Super Bowl eleven or Super Bowl nine? I think eleven. Okay. He was against the Raiders. They lost. Yeah, because then they lost okay. to Miami. So, that, so was that when Tarkenton was with the Giants, or had Tarkenton retired at that point? Ooh, because he was only with the Giants for what a year? Was he there a year? No, he was with the Giants for multiple years. Um, I got to look. He must now. have been with the Giants at that point. Yeah, because Cap came back. I want. I feel like Cap was the Super Bowl nine, but I don't know. I gotta go to Wikipedia now. I'm cheating. This is this is hurt my uh, street cred on the show. Uh, no, no, no. It, it's well when you're going that far back. If this were one in the '80s or '90s, I'd have to I'd have to ding you on the uh, on using uh, Wikipedia. All right, he was Giants sixty-seven to seventy-one. So he was. So he missed the first one. Cap was okay. at Super Bowl nine. Yeah. And then he was the rest. Lost to Miami, Pittsburgh, uh, the Raiders. I think they might have lost to Miami. They lost to Kansas City the first one. And, yes, Kansas City. So Kansas City was the one he missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just, well, like I said, he's regarded as one of the best quarterbacks. One, one of the best scrambling quarterbacks, too, of all time. And just – his, his last season, he threw for 3,500 yards, 25 touchdowns, and 32 interceptions. <laughs> it, it's ridiculous. And, and that was in, what, 14 games? Was that? Yeah, uh, that one was 16. That was, I think, the first year of 16. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal to pick a guy that represented my franchise for uh, the, the probably the best quarterback in Vikings history. But. No doubt about it. Other All than right. the great Brad Johnson. We're going to switch categories here. You know, I, I'm curious. We'll go with tradition here. I'm curious what you're going to go with for good tradition. Now, now I didn't know this one. Am I supposed to pick like a great Super Bowl tradition or am I supposed to pick like a great team tradition that went to the Super Bowl? I'd say Super Bowl tradition, one revolving around the game that there always is 
um, something that people maybe look forward to. And then with the bad one, something that people obviously dread when it comes to the Super Bowl. Okay, I'm going to go with one that is no longer a Super Bowl tradition, and it was ruined by the Patriots, again, ruining my favorite day of the year, okay? The pregame player introductions Mm -hmm. until Super Bowl – well, actually, they happened in Super Bowl 36. The Rams got introduced. They introduced, I think, their offense, and the Patriots chose to be introduced as a team. Oh, Oh, they were a team, right? And everyone loved it. So now everybody gets introduced as a team. Yeah. Um, but back in the day, they used to do the individual introductions. And I can remember as a kid waiting to like get home and, and watch those introductions. And I actually, the one that I hated the most is the Giants Ravens. One of the last ones they did it, yeah. Ray Lewis came out and he did his dance. Oh my God, dude. I just wanted to like murder somebody at that moment. And I was so confident the Giants could beat the Ravens and it just didn't happen. Well, Ray Lewis did end up murdering somebody after the game. So, I mean, he, he, well, it was the year before and he, all he did was watch his friends. He didn't, is that a crime? <laughs> watch your friends murder someone. That's, that's not a crime. I think that's called accomplice. I, I could be wrong. Eh, I just think he was, you know, <laughs> friends were doing wrong things. That, that, that's, I, when you said that the Pats ruined it, I knew exactly where you're going. And I remember watching NFL network always runs those. Um, yeah. The half hour ones. Yeah. The half hour, hour ones where it's like they do – they pretty much profile an entire – like a Super Bowl team. And oh, America's game. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, they, yeah, they're awesome. Yes, and that was the big thing. They're like, this was the first time a team ever was introduced as just a team. And, like, they have a bunch of people on to talk about. They're like, this was the greatest thing ever. This was awesome. But now it, it does – it would be cool. Like, when we went to the Buffalo-New uh, England game this year, the playoff game, yeah. They, they introduced just Buffalo just introduced their defense player by player, which was yeah. pretty cool. And like they came out in their position groups, and it's a cool thing to see for the Super Bowl. That would be if they brought that back, that would be awesome. But I always liked it. Yeah. Good tradition for me. Hmm. You know, I'll go. I'm, I'm between two, but I'll go with the classic one. I'm going to go with the Gatorade bath and more now what it kind of represents is um, just degenerate gambling nowadays with people betting on, I, I still think this is the wildest bet. Like people doing the, I think the national anthem bet is hilarious. Um, people doing the coin toss, I think is just outrageous, but guessing the color of the Gatorade and people trying to um, guess and like pick up uh, little Easter eggs throughout like posts like there was a, a picture on Super Bowl Sunday this year of both Aaron Donald and Joe Burrow's locker. And because Gatorade's a sponsor, they had a Gatorade in there. And both Gatorades were the white colored ones. So everybody just the odds for white on that went way up because that was in the locker and it ended up being yeah. blue this year. So it, it makes I, I do enjoy that. But the Gatorade bath has become um, such a big tradition and one that you, you always look to the sideline to see the coach get just absolutely drenched in the Gatorade. So I'll have to go with that as a good tradition um, and one that is pretty cool. And it's a big one in pretty much all football, college. Um, right? Have you ever been dumped with Gatorade? I have not personally. The, the, the water, I love. It's, it's like one of my favorite things. The water is great. Getting dumped by water, I'll eat that any day. Gatorade sucks because you're so sticky after it. 
So a home game, I can handle Gatorade, but an away game, oh. I can, uh, it's, it's like, it screws you up the entire time. That's well, especially too in high school, I remember I've made the Gatorade before and you don't have the brightest minds mixing the Gatorade <laughs> traditionally. So it's usually either tastes just like water or it's going to put you in a diabetic coma because you just yes you just dump the whole bag of it in there. So it's just pure, sticky, blue, just mix of – it's gross. So I can imagine when that happens, you're just it, – oh, it's it rolled around in sugar and water. It's so gross. Yeah, you're so sticky. All right. We'll go – we'll stay on tradition again. We'll go bad tradition. Bad Super Bowl tradition. Or one that you can I go, just be fed up with. Can I go with being introduced as a team? Yeah, I, I like that. that that's <laughs> all right. That's that's where I'm going. Being introduced as a team. And then the, you, you already said it all about that. You, you just wish the 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 play the individual player ones came made. Yeah, those uh, were fun. Those were fun. Um, bad tradition's a tough one. Um, I'll go with, with something we were going to add. I, I had suggested adding to the draft was halftime shows, but I'll go more with glorifying the halftime shows as a tradition where you're, how horny were people yesterday? I was like, all right, oh, dude, it was cool, but come on. It's it, all he was talking about on Facebook. People were like, this is the greatest halftime show of all time. And personally, I was disappointed because like you had Eminem who was billed as one of the headliners for it, do the same amount of songs as fat 50 cent. And it, it was, I was personally just disappointed because I wanted more Eminem or more of the people they advertise, not 50 cent hanging upside down. So that's why I, I thought I, it was, I thought it was good. I, I did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wasn't like, Oh my God, my childhood this is so great. Like, and I wasn't, I don't know. That's just, I, I think there's, See, when your team makes a Super Bowl, I know, unfortunately, you haven't experienced this yet, but when your yep. team makes the Super Bowl, you don't give a damn at halftime. No. Like, you aren't even – you're calling your friends or you're conferencing with your friends who are there, and you're like, what, what do they have to do in the second half? Like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I hope the delays it. And you're like, you're thinking like you're a coach, like you're impacting the game. Yeah. So I feel like there's so many times where I haven't even paid attention to the halftime show because that – but the other thing you do now that I'm older and I'm a father, usually we leave after this now and you miss the beginning of the third quarter. But if we go to a Super Bowl party, we usually like either leave right when the halftime show starts or right after the halftime show ends. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's kind of been like the joke. That's always the joke is like, this is the time to use the bathroom, but seeing everybody just get like, so they were just drooling over the halftime show yesterday was was bizarre and like you you do fall you you personally fall into that age range for people that were uh doing the exact same thing with the because especially with uh dre and snoop dogg um being big in the 90s so it it definitely was a a bizarre bizarre thing to see with everybody glorifying it and it's year after year they do it whether it's good or not social media is gonna love it for sure for sure all right off tradition so we've we're done with players, done with traditions. We're going to go with uh, Super Bowl. We'll start with a great Super Bowl. Um, so I'm curious which one you're going to pick, how far back you may go, 
or or actually, I, I you'll probably stick in the uh, with one of the Giants recent ones. I'd have to, I'd have to. Get well, I was gonna say, I almost feel like it's like unfair for me to choose a Giants Super Bowl, um, because I, I would go with forty two and twenty five. Are those those are right there? I mean, but I have such a rooting interest in those. I almost feel like they're unfair to choose. So if I have to go, and I. And I want to go most enjoyable Super Bowl. I don't want to go best Super Bowl, like the one I watched. And I was like, wow, that's a great game. This is awesome. Um, one that jumps out is the um, Super Bowl 34, the Titans and the Rams. But I watched it at a Super Bowl party with a bunch of annoying people who were trying to ruin the game for me the entire time. So that's a hard one. Um I really enjoyed that Colts Saints Super Bowl. Um, that was a great game. Yeah. And then then the pick the final score ends up being a 14. Like the final two minutes was not any good. Um, mm-hmm. but that was a great game until that point. I'm trying to think of the next best. I mean, I can't go back because I didn't see those ones back in the day. Yeah. You know, I think that's unfair. So I'm gonna go with hang on, I just gotta really think and make sure I'm not missing. Oh, you know what? What I loved. Hands down, 32, when uh, Elway beat the Packers. Okay. That was a great one. Was that his first Super Bowl win? Did they Because did they play Atlanta the year after? Yes, which was the most boring Super Bowl ever. Yeah, that's um, another um, America's game when I watched that. That Atlanta one was a slog to get through. Yeah, it was just um, – Atlanta wasn't good, and the Broncos were nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just kind of like – it was almost like, get this over so we can celebrate John Elway. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, Super Bowl, Super Bowl Thirty Two was awesome. Super Bowl. See now, people forget this. This was from Super Bowl Nineteen mm-hmm. to Super Bowl, I think Thirty Two. The NFC won every Super Bowl, and they dominated all of them except for I think one, and that was the Giants Bills one that was close. Oh, and, and the 49ers Bengals one was close too. Yeah. But every other one was a blowout. They were like terrible games. There was the um Niners killed the Dolphins, then the Bears killed the Patriots, and the Giants killed the Broncos, and the Redskins killed the Broncos, then the 49ers killed the Broncos. Um, and then the Redskins killed the Bills, the uh Dallas killed the Bills back to back Super Bowls. Yep. 49ers killed the Chargers. Uh Super Bowl 30 was good, the the Steelers and Cowboys. And then 31, the Patriots um, Packers. So it was like, it was blowout. So that first, that was the first year the AFC had won. Um, and I remember that being a really big deal. Like, wow, the AFC finally won a Super Bowl again. Yeah. And they were big underdogs. They were like 12, 13 point underdogs. Yeah. It, it was cool. That That's another one watching the documentary. It was cool to see because Elway had been on the receiving end of a lot of those big losses too. So for him to kind of, that, I mean, that, that win there definitely solidified his career, I think winning that Super Bowl, uh, and then the next year was just more, just, just an icing on top of the cake for him beating Atlanta. And he went for the dive when they were trying to, he, he, he leaped and he went spinning around. I remember watching that and being like, this is awesome. So I was rooting for Elway then. I'm going to go Super Bowl 49, the Pats. Seahawks, Patriots, Seahawks. yeah. Just because, like, I remember watching, and, and it's not even like the the Malcolm Butler pick that stands out to me. It's the Doug Baldwin bobble catch on the sideline where he almost gets up and scores to pretty much end the game. And I think it was McCordy ended up tackling him at the 
the the three, the four, the five. And that play was just unreal because the ball was like sitting on Baldwin's chest and he brings it in like the DB fell. And if McCordy didn't come over, it would have, he would have just walked in the end zone. I'm watching that and I'm saying, oh my God, they're going to lose again. And this amazing catch, it was Tyree first. And then it was Mario Manningham. I was like, oh, another catch. Yeah. And I'm like, Brady and Belichick to lose three Super Bowls in rows. Like they suck. This is so awesome. And oh God, that one makes me sick. But that fourth quarter was really exciting. Brady oh. was like lights out in that fourth quarter. That And it also had one of the, I think, underrated, gruesome injuries of all time when Byron Maxwell snapped his like wrist. And there's the picture of him on the ground. His like forearms going one way. His wrist looks like it's completely disconnected, like Gumby's arm just flopping I around. Re- I don't remember it. It was, I mean, it was bad. And like that was a first quarter one. So they lose one of their, they lose pretty much their uh, number two corner in that game, Seattle. It was a gross injury. But um, I mean, that was just an awesome game, especially there was almost a brawl at the end to cap it off when uh, yep. the Pats are taking the knee in the end zone. Um, and, and then obviously what I think is one of the two or three greatest plays in uh, not even just Super Bowl history in NFL history, the Malcolm Butler pick right there, just to undercut that slant was unreal. God, I hate that. I, I, I figured you would, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll stick on Super Bowls. And now you're uh, just a bad Super Bowl, one that, well, are you are you going to go back to back? Are you going to go with uh, Super Bowl thirty three here, Atlanta versus uh, Denver? No, no, that does uh, that's I don't even I don't even know if that's like top ten. That might be that. I mean, it's probably top ten. It's got to be in the top ten. But um, the worst one that I can remember was the Broncos Seahawks. That game was terrible. Yeah. Um, and was I, cool. you know me like you. I love going to sporting events. So I have like a list of events I need to go to in my lifetime. And one of them was the Super Bowl. So the night before that Super Bowl, me and my friend were going to go, we're going to pull the trigger. We were going to spend $1,300 a ticket and we were going to go. I mean, right. It was in New York. Mm -hmm. It's doable. You didn't have to get the hotel. You didn't have to fly once in a lifetime. And last minute I said, you know, I don't want to do it. Yeah. And when the game was over, I, talk to my buddy go i don't regret that we didn't go at all yeah and he's like really and i was like yeah i was like the game was terrible i was like you couldn't tell you could do that i said it was a giant stadium i said i never get it i said so that's off my bucket list i said i don't care if i ever go to a super bowl i mm-hmm. said that is now off my list now i want to see the giants play in a nfc championship game that's what i want to see i mean now i said it's uh, that that super bowl was terrible and the patriots rams one was really boring yeah, well, now with the price of the tickets for uh, Super Bowls, it's just outrageous. Like, no, nobody can go to that. It, it, it's just so much. I mean, like, the, the nosebleed tickets were like six or seven grand, which was uh, just yeah. disgusting. But, yeah, that Super Bowl was – my dad runs a uh, Super Bowl pool every year. And with that safety coming into play right off the rip, it yep. just threw everything out of whack. So – Guys that had like 7-0 or 6-0 or 3-0 in that pool, which feel like just sure surefire numbers that are going to hit, were just devastated watching that. And last night it actually <laughs> with uh, the Johnny Hecker dropped hold, that threw this mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of out of place. I mean, it wasn't a crazy one, but him dropping that cost somebody like 800 bucks. Just yeah. nuts. But yeah, I, I I'm, I'm looking. 
Super Bowl. I'm looking at some of these Super Bowls. I almost feel like I, I picked the wrong. I lived through, through some bad Super Bowls, man. Yeah. I'm looking back at them now, and I, I, I'm missing. There were some that I missed for, like, the good one. I, I If I could go back, I'd pick the the Steelers-Cardinals one. That was a great one. Oh, that was a great one. With the uh, James Harrison pick six and the yeah. Antonio Holmes uh, corner of the end. And, and then Larry Fitz scores that touchdown. Game's over. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that was a tough one. It was cool to see Kurt Warner kind of on his. It was reviving his career in Arizona. Diane's um, great. Yeah, Kurt yes, Warner. Him and Jared Lorenz. I ha- I have a Kurt Warner Giants jersey still. Do you really? <laughs> it's like the worst jersey ever. Oh, but yes, it's like it's like what I bought one of those ones at Bob's. It was like on a clearance rack. I was like, oh hell yeah, I'm buying this Kurt Warner jersey. That is the greatest thing to see if you're ever at like a Marshalls and you just like that, that's a. Uh, like you'll always see like a Pats jersey, like when they would wear the red ones. Whenever somebody would leave the team, like I think I ended up getting Dion up. Branch. There was yes. there was always there was Dion Branch yes. and Johnny Damon for about ten years at Marshalls. I ended up finding like a Will Fork one there, a red Will Fork one for like one. twenty bucks. It, Lawrence Maroney, tons of Lawrence Maroney ones. Yep, yep. So my bad pick for the Super Bowl, I'm gonna go with. Another Denver one. I'm going to go Super Bowl 50 when they ended up winning it. I loved that Super Bowl. I, I, don't, I, I don't know if I didn't like it because, I mean, I was rooting for Carolina in that game and just watching. And, like, Cam Newton was so fun to watch. Luke Keekley that season was so fun to watch. And just watching him get muff, muzzled by that Denver defense was so heartbreaking. And, like, I'm not a Carolina fan, but at the time – those were guys you rooted for to win. And I was just so upset about that because I didn't want Denver to win either. It, it just. I was rooting for Peyton so mm-hmm. hard, mm-hmm. but I was also, I remember watching that AFC championship game and Vaughn Miller and was it DeMarcus Ware? DeMarcus Ware was it? Yeah. They got a sack. It seemed like every time they dropped back and I was like, hell yeah, defense. Hell yeah. I was like, why is a defense matter in the game? I was like, this is awesome. Like, I loved how quickly they were just getting to people both those games. It was like, I was like, I'm loving this defense. And I I, I think that's what I love the most about it. Yeah. That Denver defense was really good because you had those two off the edge. And I think that was – they. I think Malik a, Jackson. Yep, Malik Jackson. I think they had a keep to leave at corner. Yep, they did. And it might have been Chris Harris as well. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and both of them at that – in uh, 2015, 2016 were still – pretty good players now they're just i think akib's done and harris is on the chargers and he's like 35 so it, it's but that that defense was fun but i just i i was up, just upset about that so not much that i didn't like it but it was just an upsetting if one to watch you, if you had to go worst coach to ever win a super bowl i would it's it's don mccaffrey but or but i would have said gary kubiak probably the worst coach ever to win a super bowl yeah yeah i i'd probably agree with that it, i mean currently somebody might say mike mccarthy but i don't think that's fair i think he has a good resume i'd say like if you took away the if you took away the packers super bowl from mccarthy and he won one with dallas like this year i would still i would say mccarthy but that packers team was so good when he won and he with has dallas. like you look at his career record. His career record is very good. He's had tons of winning teams. It, it, you know? it is crazy that he has as that many like winning teams, but he's just mismanaged so many talented rosters. Like this Dallas team this year 
was I think really good and could have done a, a, a lot more. And just I don't know how he still has a job as a, a head coach. I think they're waiting to fire him until next year so they can hire Sean Payton. You think Sean Payton's going to come back? Oh, I think so. I see. I was thinking it was going to be that. I think it was going to be the same thing, but promote Kellen Moore. And that's why I, I don't think that's why he got really any of the head coaching jobs was he's kind of, I think, more waiting out for that Dallas job. He just seems like an odd hire to me. He seems like every other dumb offensive quarter hire, coordinator hire. Well, but he's cool, though, because he's young. And he, he played I know. quarterback a few years ago. That, that, that's what everybody loves is, uh, oh, my God. He's a lefty, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember him at Boise State? Everybody remembers yeah. that good Boise State. That, there's a lot of lore around uh, Kellen Moore because there was he did – He's such an obscure, came from an obscure college, played in the yep. NFL, but while he was still on a roster, was pretty much the quarterbacks coach for Dallas. It, it was right, right. So much, so much he did so much, uh, quote unquote, cool stuff while he was uh, in the NFL that he's now the, the new young gun hire, and he'll get. Yeah, a I know. I hate all these guys that are the young cool hires. All right, uh, final cat, final two categories. We've got good Super Bowl moment, bad Super Bowl moment. Okay, who's going first, me? Yeah, yeah, you're going. All right, so I've abstained from um, the Giants, but I can't abstain anymore. The greatest moment in Super Bowl history is the David Tyree catch and the Eli Manning escape. No doubt. That's the, the more underrated part of that whole play is Eli Manning, who seems like one of the most clumsy quarterbacks to ever play, gets out of that sack. And just yep. blindly throws it to them. I mean, the catch obviously is great, but for him to get out of that was unreal. Yep. Yep. I think that's the best one. And I can't, I can't take uh yeah. no more giants. If if I have to choose a non, do I have to choose a giants? Mo- you know, you, you can choose a giants one. Okay. If if I had to not go giants, I would go that James Harrison return for a touchdown. So uh Funny story behind that. My dad, again, he was in a Super Bowl pool with a buddy, and they needed on that, whatever, however the score was going, um, needed Warner to throw an incomplete or them to try to run the ball and knock it in, kick a field goal. They go into the half, they their numbers hit, you win like uh, 1,500. And he's on the phone with his buddy. They're like, yeah, we just need the incompletion. Warner drops back, throws it, to, throws it. Harrison picks it off, runs it back, uh, 99, 100 yards, and just – utter defeat and disappointment on, on my dad's side of the phone. Just, uh, uh, just dismal, dismal, dismal. For him. Yeah. But th- that was an awesome play. Oh, Bri- um, Brian Billick. I forgot about Brian Billick winning a Super Bowl too. Oh, that's, that's, not a, that's not a good one. <laughs> um, All right. Your best moment. So the James Harrison one's good. I'll go with – I'm between either from the Saints Super Bowl or the Ravens-Niners one. Um, I'm going to go with the Jacoby Jones 109-yard kick return in the Super Bowl. What were you going to go from the Saints game? Were you going to go the onside kick or the Terry Porter pick? I was going to go with the Terry Porter pick. Um, onside kick's underrated. The onside kick is underrated because just how ballsy it was at that time in the game coming, yeah. coming out of the half and doing that. But that Jacoby Jones one, I remember because 
that was, I think, right before the power went out. Yeah, that like when he scored that, I remember saying, oh, this game's over because at the time, let's say it made it like 28 to 7 or something, or 28 to 10 or something stupid like that. And then the Niners came back and tied it. Yeah. But that one, it, his heels were literally on the line. He had to stay, try to stay in bounds. And, and nowadays, you will not see a guy try to run. If the ball's kicking the end zone, they're not trying to run anything back. He was, him and Hester were the last two guys in the league that really did that was run kicks back. And that one was just unreal. And I mean, he had a really good postseason leading up to that too. He had the big, uh, I think like 70 yard touchdown against Denver um, in OT that postseason as well. So for him to run that back was awesome to watch and just super electric. And and, uh, that's another, I think, underrated fun Super Bowl because of all the stuff that went on in that game with the power going out um, and it being Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, sort of their last run together. Um, and now it does beg the, beg the question, is Joe Flacco elite or was he ever elite in your eyes? Joe Flacco? No, no, I, I have no. to agree with you on he that. He was That's very good. good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Bad Super Bowl moment for you. The worst, like, like the worst one that like it made me upset or like, this is like the worst moment in Super Bowl history. I'd say made you upset. I mean, the thing that made me the most upset and I'm, I still am like not over it was Super Bowl 35, Jesse Armstead picked off a, a pass, a screen pass, and he returned it for a touchdown to tie the game at seven. I think it was in the first quarter mm-hmm. and they called defensive holding on Cornelius Griffin and they called he, he he grabbed Jamal Lewis as he was going out for the pass, and it was a screen. And uh, that, that I, I don't know if I'm ever over that. Not that the Giants would have won that game, but it feels different. Seven seven at that point. Well, that's a momentum switch too, because it, it's a it, defensive touchdowns mean more than offensive touchdowns do, because there's so much that goes on. Because it's a boost for your offense when you score. You have to bring that offense that just gave up the touchdown back on the field against the defense. That feels really good. There's it, it, there's a big momentum swing that goes into that. So deflating. Mm-hmm. So deflating. So, yeah, that one, was, I'd say that one for me. I mean, last, I, I, I think of one last night with the, the Logan Wilson holding call on Cooper Cup was disappointing. Of call, man. It Because it, he really, he had around the body, but not like he was pulling on him. That was definitely one where I was just somewhat heartbroken by it because you knew what was going to happen. Yeah, I was like third down two. I was like, that's the time you're going to call this. And like, I understand there's plays like all game that you could have, um, you could have argued and they, they missed and all that stuff. But I was like, damn, that's not the time to throw that flag. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with that as my pick because I've never had like a moment in a Super Bowl where I felt like upset or ill because I haven't like watched the, the Vikings haven't been in one in my lifetime. And yeah. but last night I was, especially in that fourth quarter, I'm rooting for Cincinnati to win. I want that. Like they're a team that is just so likable yeah. against them. And for that to be called and you, it, like I said, you knew what was going to happen. You knew that LA was going to score. And, and I just think it was such a, 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 a wishy-washy call like it, it's I think it's more of you need to let them play especially after the one they missed on Jalen Ramsey getting face masked uh from T Higgins 
like now you're going to step into the game as the ref, you're going to step in and throw that flag is one that was definitely disappointing. I also wanted to say that any positive moment in Patriots Super Bowl history is the worst moment that I can remember. I'll add that in too. Because <laughs> I hated all those. So did you hate when they had a three nothing lead against the Chicago Bears in Super in uh, the Super Bowl? I, I don't remember it, but um, if I recall, Tony Eason let him down for a field goal. I can't think of the kicker's name. I want to say it's Tony Zendejas, but it's not. Um, it might be like Cam Canzaro. I'm going to look at this now because this will bother me. 85. Tony Franklin? Tony Franklin, you got it. Yeah, yeah. Tony Franklin. Yeah, it's, I, I did not like that one. That's a That was – the Patriots making that Super Bowl may be one of the most bizarre things because their best player – was a guard on that team was John they Hatton. shouldn't they shouldn't have made the Super Bowl they upset the Dolphins and the Dolphins were the only team who had beaten the 15 and one Bears yeah. so everyone it was kind of like a done deal same thing with that you know you gotta look at a lot of these that Falcons Super Bowl the Vikings are 15 and one you got the um Rams Patriots Super Bowl a couple years ago. I mean, it was a done deal that it was going to be Brady versus Breeze. The game was in the Superdome, all that stuff. I mean, there's so many games where, like, even this year, it was going to be Chiefs Rams again, like that Monday night game a few years oh, ago. That was awesome. I mean, I mean, a lot of these things are guaranteed. The one thing that was nice is that the Bengals made it a game. It was very competitive last night. But whenever you like have a surefire matchup, you know, you don't get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, um, that, that Vikings one is so disappointing because I, I think they had probably the best receiving duo in NFL history with Chris Carter and Randy Moss on that team going up against – I would have loved to see them go against Denver in that Super Bowl. Um, it, it would have been a great thing to see, but just another more heartbreak to, to go with uh, being a Vikings fan is that right. – But, yeah, that's that's a good point. Like the surefire ones are never it, – it, it's less – I don't think this past one was as surefire because so many people were rooting for Cincinnati. Nobody looked at it like that, even though. Yeah, I but I think that, like, like I said before the game, I said they're not winning this game mm-hmm. as much as I want them to. And then it's 21-3. You know, you're like, this game's over. The Chiefs are winning this game. Yeah. You know? It, it's, it is wild how good they were in the second half. And I thought that's what we were going to see last night when. Uh, Me too. When I did too. The, the giant T Higgins play at the, the beginning. And then uh, Chidobia Wuzier gets the interception off Skaronic's hands. I'm like, they're, they're about to just run away with this. It's not even going to yep. be a, a game anymore. And, and good. It was good by LA to just kind of stay composed and uh, to keep chugging along. But it, it, what I found most fascinating about this Bengals team was just how bad that offensive line was. And how fa- and how they made the Super Bowl with such a terrible offensive line. Like their best guy was probably Jonah Williams, who just isn't isn't good. He's probably yep. a bottom ten starting left tackle in this league, and he was their number one guy. That or Quentin Spain, who got just cooked by Donald on that last play of the game. The other the other one I thought about was the fact that the Bengals. If you're a Bengals fan your team has been to three Super Bowls. And if you are like a diehard and you're older, 
you've seen them go to the Super Bowl three times, and they lost all three games in the final possession. Yeah, you know, so San Fran – was it San Fran San, twice? San Fran twice, and the first one was it like 26-21, and they had to make a comeback to make it closer. Um, but they still had a chance in the final play of the game. And then the 88 one, they lose, what, 36 seconds left? Yeah. And then this one. I that, thought for sure he was going to get him in field goal range last night. I did too. I did too. I mean, and with how good McPherson has been this this postseason, they could have just they just need to get like somewhat near there. And, and right. his leg's been so big. But that's another team, those Bengals teams, their best player was an offensive lineman that one because they had Munoz. Like it wasn't like it was this these star studded teams. It was led by an offensive lineman, just like that Pats team with John Hanna. So it's it does show how much the game has changed nowadays, though, that you don't really need a good O-line to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, I think you need a pretty good one to win the Super Bowl, but you don't need a good one to make it. They had a great offense. So they had and Boomer Sison was their quarterback. This I'm watching the Knicks. Yeah, Knicks suck. I'm so tired of watching the Knicks. Let's see. Does Julius Randle win it right here? Nope. Overtime. They just blew a lead in the final minute and then missed a shot at the buzzer. Who are they playing overtime. I hate the Knicks. Who are they playing? Thunder. Ah, the, the Thunder with uh, 38 first-round picks in the next 20 years. And they're playing pretty well, aren't they? I think so. I don't know. Are they? I, I, I have not followed the NBA. Uh, very... I follow the Knicks, and that's it. Yeah, it, it's the, – the trade deadline to me was just uh, – like I forgot that it was coming up, and then you, I'm watching ESPN the day of it, and it's just the breaking news is all over the screen. I'm like – Oh yeah, this is uh, the trade deadline time now. So uh, yeah, the Knicks definitely... didn't make any trades. I was so pissed. The Celtics did. They dealt uh, Bull Bull. They brought Daniel Theis back to the team. <laughs> Big exciting moves by uh, uh, Brad Stevens. Yes. Yep. Making it rain. Yeah. Um, are we out of questions? I think we are, but I I do want to talk a little Giants with you. Yes. Um, they've got two top ten. Uh, draft picks this uh, yeah. this uh, in the 2020 draft. I projected that they were going to go with, I think I said, uh, Evan Neal and George Karlaftis from uh, Purdue as the picks. Where do you – who do you ideally want them to target? I just want to say this. I love them. They're my favorite team, right? I Like I'm obsessed with them. I have season tickets. I have everything. I hate them so much and i am so unexcited about what the future holds and every time i think about like what they're going to do i can't even get excited about it and i was like like everyone's like oh do you like this brian dable hire i was like no i hate it i was like he's an offensive coordinator from the belichick tree who's never been a head coach great didn't we just get one of those Right. And then you had a a special teams coach. That's why. Right. Right. And then I said, Oh, then the other one, you know, I said, didn't we just do this with McAdoo and, you know, then Pat Shermer and, you know, and then I said, the other one I hated, I was like, Oh, how do you feel about Joe Shane? I was like, I don't know. I don't know anything about general managers. Cool. Right. And I was like, he'll probably screw it up. Like everyone else screws it up. So like, I want to be optimistic, but I, I, I mean, personally, and what do I know? I think you got it. You got a five and a seven, right? 
Yes. Have to draft an offensive lineman. I don't care who it is. And I don't care what position it is. Like I hear Neil, you know, you hear all these names. Cool. I'd be okay if they took two offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. But I think you need a I think you need a pass rusher too. I think you need a defensive end or outside linebacker pass rusher. And so like if I would be happier. I mean, they'll probably just screw it up anyway. I mean, they'll probably draft a gonna maybe there's points. like a maybe they'll draft that pick quarterback at five and be like, yeah, well, we have now we have two quarterbacks. So they're like, we're better because we have more quarterbacks. You know? I, I I would that would make me so happy with the idea of you at home just stewing over that pick of like where if they take like Kenny Pickett and like a receiver or a corner and just don't address any of their needs on the O-line I would it would bring me a little bit of joy just thinking about you so mad at home I remember when they drafted Daniel Jones I was driving and instead of being mad I just started laughing I was like is this for real we have a six overall pick and we just drafted a quarterback from Duke and I and I'm not convinced the guy sucks I'm not Right. But I was like, who who the hell is this? And we drafted him at six, you know? Tough. It's a, a, a tough look. A, definitely a tough. Was that, that was what, the 2019 draft? Yeah, 2019, yeah. That's, uh, so I'm trying to see. Who, we had three first-round picks that night. I'm trying to see who was after him. So you guys missed out on. Uh, Josh, Josh Allen was the guy. Not Josh Allen, the quarterback. Josh Allen, the defensive yep. end, was the guy defensive that everyone wanted. Um, I mean, it's looking. Oh, you guys also, that was the year you guys took Dexter Lawrence in the first round, too. Yeah, 17, it took him out. And everyone and was saying, Bradley Baker, wow, that is a. Everyone was saying that you couldn't get Jones at 17. He was going to be gone by then. And that's why they picked him at six. They were convinced. I think Washington drafted Dwayne Haskins, and there might have been another quarterback. Maybe they said like the Broncos were going to draft him. Yeah, they ended up taking Noah Fant at 20. Yeah. But th- this draft, I'm looking at it now, was just not a not a great one. I mean, the, yeah. the fourth overall pick, I remember that one was Cleveland Farrell, just came out of nowhere for the Raiders. It was just a, a terrible pick. But, I mean, it, it is tough looking at the Daniel Jones pick now of what you could have had, but at the time it wasn't like there was this uh, – there wasn't better quarterbacks on the board. It was Haskins. Yeah, I know. I know. It's not like Kyler Murray. It's not like you were were choosing between Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones. Yeah, the word was like the year before you screwed it up because you drafted. But the year before, if we would have not drafted Saquon Barkley, which everyone always always gets mad about, we would have drafted Sam Darnold. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Was it the second pick? Yeah, the second pick. I mean, that was a good draft. I mean, that was a really loaded draft. But Saquon, I still think, is the right pick. Allen goes – Sixth or tenth, I think. Yeah, I, think it was, I think it was seventh or eighth. Yeah, somewhere in there. But like the Giants, I don't think we're drafting him. And no. and also coming out, he wasn't like the guy. It was who was it? Mayfield, Mayfield, um, Arnold, Rosen, and Rosen. Rosen was the one I always oh. hated. That well, and that that's a t- that would have been like in hindsight. Now it's like oh, I, you guys wish you could have Josh Allen, but he was from. He like, was not the guy you were picking. Yeah, it, it was. It's not like he played in the SEC or the Big Ten. It was a Mountain West guy. Taking him there is the biggest gamble you could possibly take. And if he busts, then you lose out on a running back like Barkley, who's just right. So electric. Right. So I don't know what they're going to do. So, like I said, it's, I, I, I want to be excited about all these things. Look at Evan Fournier hits a three and I call offensive foul. Geez, I hate them. Um, they, um, 
you know, I'm looking at it, I'm like, I don't know what they do. And, I, you know, today, the big thing is like, I was talking about my brother, we're just talking about salary cap casualties. Like they're, they're going to have to, because they're so far over and they want to get under. So I'm just like, what are they going to do? You know? And I hope they don't cut Barkley. I don't think you can. He's only going to cost you $7 million. Like you really want to cut him. Um, I've been reading like the big one that they might cut is Will Hernandez. Well, he's not, he's a free agent, isn't he? Oh, is he? Oh, so I think James, he might, they might just let him walk then. Yeah. James Bradbury is the one I keep hearing about. That seems big. Um, Cause I think James Bradbury is pretty good. Honestly, I, I'd be thrilled if they cut Kenny Galladay and they were saying I'll have to eat this money and all this stuff. And I was like, dude, just get Kenny Galladay out or I hate him. Well, Solder's another big one. That's uh, he's off the books, isn't he? Yeah. Well, so that, no, that'll be a good one to get rid of though. Just like not yeah. bringing him back will be huge. Cause you guys were paying him so much money to just be so bad. Hernandez, you know, Hernandez never materialized either. He was supposed to be the, like, the big Dave Gettleman second round draft pick that was supposed to be great. He was I in the draft the year because the Vikings traded back and took Mike Hughes at the end of the first round. I really, really wanted him on the old line. Hernandez. Yeah, yeah. Because I wish they I think they ended up trading back to the 31st pick. And I really wanted Hernandez. I want him bad for the Vikings and was so disappointed that they didn't take him. But it's he's just so big and bulky. For like the NFL, he's just not quick enough. I read something about him too. Is like the what, kind of how they feel about Jones. How they feel like this. There is a player in there, but they feel like they screwed him up. That he had four new offensive line coaches in four years, and you know he had this and that, and they're like they just messed with the guy. It's like he's trying to learn how to play, and he's learning a new way to play every single year. Yeah, that's you definitely know? a tough thing to run through that many coaches. Yeah. But, all right, before I let you go, I, I talk a little bit with Chris Saunders about UConn football. What are your thoughts? It's it's later now, but the, the Mora hire uh, to UConn. Okay, so legitimately, I was not a college football kid growing up. My, my dad um, went to UConn, and we had he had friends who were UConn cops. So we used to go to Memorial Stadium all the time when they were 1AA. So I went to the first night game when they rented lights, I remember going that when I was like second grade and we used to go a ton and it was back. You could like enter and re exit and re-enter. Oh, so yeah. like we, used, me and my friends used to go play in the tennis courts. We'd go play football in the tennis courts, come back to the game. So I was always a UConn fan and I still am. I don't, that's like my college team. Yep. Um, I was pumped. Like when they hired it and I saw people bitching on Twitter and I was like, what are you bitching about? I was like, this is a great hire. We're expecting them to make a, "Quote unquote big time hire with Edo. This is a huge hire. This is a. I'm I'm excited about it. I said anyone you hire that's younger, it's just a stepping stone. You're stepping to get somewhere yeah. better. Moore is 59. Okay, he. Yeah, how much longer is he gonna coach? I don't. Guys coach into their 70s. I get that, but mm-hmm. he's 59. He's not that old. Mm-hmm. He's pissed off that he hasn't gotten a job in a while, yep. so he's motivated. He has been successful everywhere he's been except for the Seahawks, which is a one-year deal and whatever. He's been successful. He has NFL ties. He has a name you can attract to him. And like I said, he's motivated because he doesn't believe he should have been fired from UCLA. Yet no one will give him a job probably because he's 59. And I felt like you brought instant credibility to the program. You know, like I I just thought it was such a great hire. And I was like, why are people mad? And as a fan, you know, my, my son, uh, my oldest son, Brody, 
he's like kind of into it. And he's like, and last year he's like, I don't really want to go to UConn. They suck. And I was like, yeah, I know, but let's go to the game. Okay. And now he's like, are we going to be good again? Are we going to be good again? You know? So, yeah. and to me, good is bowl eligible. Oh, definitely. And like with there being so many bowls, you don't have to really do that much to make a bowl. And right. you just need to win the games that they should like beat UMass, beat the two one double A teams you play during the year. And then you need to just surprise some teams that you're going to play against. Um, and, and the other thing that is weird is that, um, you know, past Colonia era, you know, so bad, so bad, so bad. He went five and seven, five and seven. If he goes six and six and six and six. He makes two bowls. And yeah. everyone in the state of Connecticut feels a lot different about it because they're going to a bowl game every year. The fact that he couldn't get that win to get them bowl eligible was all the difference in all because people wouldn't have cared if they were six and six. If they were just six and six instead of five and seven, they would have been in bowls, you know? Yeah, and, and, and I think that's a big thing. A lot of people don't like Pascaloni in Connecticut. And I mean, he really was not set up to succeed by what Edsel left behind and in the way that Edsel left it behind. This was after a team just got thumped in the, in the Tostitos bowl against uh, Oklahoma. He's taking over then it wasn't an easy job because Edsel took a lot of time and built up what UConn was. So for them to think they were just going to start over and run like a well-oiled machine fans to think that is a tough, definitely a tough one. And I, he was I the wrong hire old. though, because they were new up and coming and he was old. You know, I felt like he yeah. was just, you needed a new up and coming guy. You know who wanted that job and they didn't even give an interview? Oh. Phil Fulmer from Tennessee supposedly wanted that job. That would have been a bizarre, it would have been cool to see, but it would have been bizarre. Yeah. I mean, you get a guy who won a national championship. Like, I don't know. I just think I would take that if I was UConn. Yeah. And then I, I still think a lot of people don't like the Pascaloni hire. I still think the the Diaco one was the worst. He, the, I think in hindsight, yes. But at the time, we hired the Notre Dame defensive coordinator who just coached in a national championship game. And I remember thinking like, whoa, we just got the Notre Dame defense coordinator to come to UConn. Young guy. Seems yeah. like, great. like he seemed like the best freaking hire. And obviously, in hindsight, he was not. Now, he did get them bowl eligible one year. We went to a bowl game with he him. He played Marshall in, like, the uh, St. Petersburg Bowl. Yes, and they lost. Uh, <laughs> but, but it, like, that was, that was, like, a big, you know, I remember the time, like, like now, if you said to me now, the Notre Dame offensive coordinator is UConn's head coach, you'd be, like, thinking, like, that's a pretty good hire, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, that's, like, if Tommy Reese got hired by UConn, I'd be so fired up. But it, it's right. – Diaco was just so it was there was a lot of fake rah rah to him, which yeah. I and like it was easy to see through it after his season when he tries to push and my dad and I still joke about it every year it rolls around the civil conflict, it's civil conflict. Oh, uh, it's another one. It just UCF just completely disregards it, it which I think do, is even funnier. Do you know what else he pushed that was like his big thing and now it happens and I love it. He wanted college games to be broadcast on Nickelodeon. He thought. Nickelodeon be a great way to get kids more interested in all this stuff. And now the NFL does those at Nickelodeon games. And so like, there's like Twitter pages that are like, Oh, Bob Diaco was right. Look at Bob Diaco's dream. Diaco has had the worst, like post Yukon career. He's been a D yeah, he has, he's been a D coordinator. I think at just about every big 10 school 
it's, and like every Big Ten school then has like the worst season in team history or something like that. Yeah. So after UConn, he was Nebraska's DC for a year. Oklahoma's Oklahoma. outside linebackers coach for a year. Louisiana Tech's DC and linebackers coach for a year. And then Purdue's DC and linebackers coach for a year. Yeah, he's currently doing nothing, right? Yeah. Yeah. 2012, he did win the Broyles Award. I'm telling you, dude, he was this great yeah. coaching prospect. So I remember the time the hire, I was like, damn, that's a good hire. So he came, I just realized, with Brian Kelly from Cincinnati. Yeah. So because he was there in 09 and then came over in 10 when Kelly took over. Yeah. Which that's wild. But yeah, I know. Moore's put a good amount of guys, especially from that UCLA team in the NFL. Like Anthony Barr, Kenny Clark, Eric Kendricks. There's a uh, Miles Jack is another one. There's a good amount of guys in the league from because of Mora. I also love Jim Moore Senior. Jim Moore Senior is like one of my favorite coaches ever. Yeah. Um, and I think Jim Moore Senior gets a bad rap because the playoffs thing and all that stuff. But and he didn't win a playoff game. But man, he coached some damn good teams in the regular season. He just didn't win. You know, it's like I mean, Schottenheimer won some playoffs, but Schottenheimer never won a big thing. Like, still a damn good coach, you know. Yeah. I mean, that, he coached the Saints were nothing, and then he took over the uh, three and thirteen Colts, and then you know, he they had to they had a really good run with them, you know. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm. This is the first time in a while that I've been like legitimately excited for UConn football to return. Well, I'm fired up about UMass too because UMass hired Don Brown, and I love Don Brown. And I said, that makes me feel uncomfortable because I've always rooted against UMass. Mm -hmm. And I was like, damn, I was like, Don Brown's there. Um, I was like, I'm going to follow them a little bit too. So I hope they can play. I mean, lose to UConn, but I hope they can play well. It would be tremendous to see both of them undefeated going into the Cum Bowl this year. Oh, that would be, that would be great stuff to see. Yes. Yes, it would. What I think is cool about like what Diaco, not Diaco, Mora and uh, Don Brown did though, the way they built their staffs, like Don Brown hired like some local high school guys like this yeah i said the dude from springfield central line coach for him now and yeah laura brought in uh marinelli Marinelli. who was he was i think like arizona and illinois and then brought him back which i think is a a good move for to help recruitment um absolutely to keep people that are familiar with the high school coaches yeah yeah but well uh, it, it it is always a pleasure having you on it's uh always enjoyable well, you want to talk Super Bowl anytime. You know I'm your guy. I, I this summer we'll we'll do uh, more Super Bowl talk just just to to kind of give us a, a nice little uh, football infusion before with uh, in between our break. Now I'd say I got I got to get like UConn. I do you follow a UConn basketball guy. Yes, I am. I just don't. I mean, I want to be excited, and I feel like I'm not. The Knicks have just I'm fading for, by the day. I'm ready for a letdown by UConn. Just I, I'm. I'm, I'm ready to just break. We went Tuesday. We went Tuesday. We took the kids and it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a great game. against Marquette. And then Sunday was an exciting game too. Um, the Mar- a- even Xavier, yeah. Xavier was exciting. Just didn't play particularly well. Um, yeah. But I'd love, uh, just, they just need a consistent score. It, the beginning of the year I followed, I watched, I think it was uh, the, the Bahamas or the Atlantis tournament, whatever. It was. Yeah. And that was fun to watch. I mean, but we were watching like, I think it was Polly almost like dies on the floor. He's just so exhausted. And that was against Auburn. We put that was the night before Thanksgiving because we played a game. Yes. I remember we were watching it. People were watching on the phone in our coach's office. And then we went out to the game. We're like, well, they won. And then the next night they lost to Michigan State. Because he didn't end up playing. He was just so dehydrated after that game. That was because that went to like double OT. But yeah, that, yeah. I, I 
them in the Big Ten or in the Big East is so exciting for them to be back. It's just awesome. It, it makes basketball fun. Missed a three to tie with one second left. Thought it was on too. Who Damn shot quickly. Manual quickly. He had a good uh, look. I thought it was, I thought he hit it. It's a bummer. Life of a Knicks fan. Yeah, I know. See, I thought they were gonna be good this year. Oh, Knicks. <laughs> but uh, Coach Mazzone, thank you for coming on. Um, now we've got the interview with uh, Connecticut sports, Connecticut high school sports reporter uh, Chris Saunders. All right, now joining the show, we've got on Christopher Saunders, the host of the CT Sports Talent Show podcast. Uh, Chris, how are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. How are you, man? I'm doing pretty good. I uh, can't complain. Home on winter break right now. So uh, banging out as many interviews as I can, you know, during the school year and especially football season, it's uh, a lot tougher. But uh, so past few weeks have been um, very interview heavy, which I, I love doing. So it's uh, been, been a fun past few weeks. Well, I, I appreciate you being able to have me on. And, you know, when the, you know, when you sent me the DM and offered, you know, for me to come on, I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? This yeah, yeah. Now, how, one quick question. How did you come up with CT Sports Talent Show? I think that's a pretty cool podcast name. It's, uh, you know, not, not, I think it's tough when you're coming up with a name for a show. You don't want it to be cheesy or corny, and you don't want it to be very generic where people will forget it. Um, CT mm. Sports Talent Show is, I think, a pretty cool one. So what was the, the thought for that? Did it just kind of pop in your head one day, or was there a little work put into it? Well, what's funny is that when the pandemic, you know, okay, so – to go back a little bit, mm-hmm. when the basketball tournament was canceled, when the CIAC canceled yeah. boys and girls basketball for the playoffs in the state tournament, um, I was prior to that cancellation, I had a plethora of games that I was planning on covering. Yeah. Nogatuck, I was going to be following Sacred Heart as well, who, you know, now we know that they closed last year. Yeah. You know, their last game was at Alumni Hall and they won against Nogatuck in the NBL tournament. Uh, so when I found out that, you know, think about it, you know, games were being canceled, seasons were being canceled and it's like, everything's happening at once. And, it, you know, as a sports guy, as yourself is, and as am I, you know, we crave the information. We want to be able to talk to people and get, you know, get the relationships. And I said, you know what? I have a Mac. I can record. Mm-hmm. I have zoom. And I was still trying to get familiar with zoom. And I was like, you know what? Let's, you know, let's start up a podcast. And then I was thinking, Connecticut has always been looked at as a state in a lot of eyes because I've been I've traveled all around the Northeast. So I know and I talk to people. Some people don't, I think, respect Connecticut as much because of for whatever reason. I was like, you know what? CT Sports Talent because Connecticut stands for Connecticut Talent. CT, Connecticut Talent. So I know it's cheesy, but I like that. Uh, and I, I completely agree with you, you know, going to school in mass, it's uh, a lot of the guys that I play with are South shore guys or Boston guys. And it's, you know, they, they'll constantly just shit on other, not even just Connecticut, but just other States. And, you know, when uh, me and my friends from Connecticut, will look at it. We're like, well, we've got probably the best lacrosse state in new England, best wrestling, best uh, one of the, I mean, basketball talent is ridiculous. It's very underrated for football. It just, when it comes to comparing, it's tough to beat out those schools that they always bring up, like BC High or Zavarian Brothers in Mass. So when you got to compare it to that, it's tough when it comes to football. But other sports, I mean, 
it, it's really, I think, top tier. Um, kind of all around the state, too. Um, you know, it's tougher when you get out east or out west. There's not much going on. But, I mean, when you hit that southern part or Hartford County or the NVL, it's loaded with talent, I think, when it comes to pretty much all sports. You know, there's talent everywhere. I mean, speaking of the NVL with basketball, mm -hmm. uh, the NVL has been known for years as being kind of the the grassroots as far as being able to get some of the best talent. I mean, yeah. Anthony Ireland was on those Crosby teams in the late 2000s with Nick Algelli, who's been there for over 40 years. I mean, he yeah. just coached his thousand game, I think, last week. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, if you want to find talent, I'm not saying that, you know, obviously there's talent in the CCC. I mean, yeah. I think they have four or five teams in the game time top 10. Then the SWC with Kobe Cathedral. Uh, you go to the ECC. St. Bernard is having a fantastic season. NFA is doing very, very yeah, well. The always deep. Yeah, exactly. They're always deep. So there's talent everywhere. The NBL is just familiar to me because I've been there since I started broadcasting in the NBL. But there's yeah. talent all over the state. Yeah, I, uh, funny story. We uh, – Enfield played NFA one year down at NFA. So uh, one of my best friends was on the team. We take the trip down there. I mean, we're like, this is a big one, double L uh, matchup. This is going to be a great game. And NFA just came out, lit them up, hit like 25 threes. Just they weren't missing. It, and at one point, uh, Enfield calls a timeout. My buddy looks up in the bleachers. He's like, just, just gives a shrug. And we'd never seen a team shoot like that. So we were that was the team we followed through that whole year, through that whole tournament, just because they were, they played out of their mind. And I don't know if that was just one night, but watching them just shoot lights out was ridiculous. And it, it was fun to see. It was good basketball, but uh, it was not great to be on the losing end of that. I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago when Enfield played against career Academy at Kennedy high school, and yep. they had one of the best players in the state at the time in Marquand Watson. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised how it was such a low scoring game. And a lot of people were thinking that career Academy, because I was at the game. I wasn't broadcast. I was there too. Yeah. Was, yeah. Oh, you were there. Okay. Yep. So, you know, and a lot of people, cause I, I try to talk to as many people as I can. And a lot of people were telling me, Oh, you know, what's the over under, is it like a 30 point spread, you know, in favor of career. Yep. And I was like, I don't know. I feel like, you know, you never want to doubt the teams that are outside the NBL because yeah. they play a different schedule. And Enfield, you know, they just didn't have the horses as far as scoring, but they kept a pretty good athletic career team, low scoring. I think it was under like 40 points, 50 points. So I was yeah, it was, I think, like 45, 39, the final, something in that range. But yeah. um, like you said, it, it was you, you really saw the athletic difference down the stretch and really the bench depth down the stretch when it came to both those teams. Because, you know, mm -hmm. Enfield had – it was really five guys and not a deep bench. And uh, career, they were able to go into the bench and have some of their uh, guys come in and play real good defense and give their better players a, a, a big rest that they needed in a, in a physical game like that, um, mm -hmm. which was, I think, the big difference maker. Um, yeah, you know, that. that was definitely – it was a disappointing game to be at because, you know, it's another hike out there from Enfield. Um, and and – you watch some of your friends lose and losing in a low scoring one's always tough because you always go back and think if I just hit one or two more shots, then we win that game. It's not like this big 80 point game. Um, it, it's uh, a low scoring one. And, you know, it was a fun one. I love physical basketball, so I enjoyed it, but yeah, that was a great game. It was a fun one to uh, watch. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So when it comes to Connecticut high school football, 
Um, and, you know, I brought up before we started talking kind of correlates with UConn, you know, the great UConn teams that were coached by Edsel that first time around were very heavily Connecticut recruited. Um, you had great players in, uh, from um, the NVL, from the CCC, a lot of guys coming out of Windsor, Connecticut, um, and from the southern part of the state. Dan Orlovsky is probably the, the biggest name or the, maybe not the biggest name, but one of the most famous coming out of UConn football. And what was for you that correlation between the two? How how much do you think that helped the state of Connecticut boost their name for high school football when UConn was good with Connecticut guys on the roster? I think it helped immensely because, you know, in talking with obviously, because, you know, I have the opportunity to be able to talk to a lot of coaches, both at the high school and college and pro route, and especially the upper echelon guys, they tell me when they're recruiting, if they can't keep guys within their own backyard from leaving and going to other schools, I mean, prime example, you know, I go to the college route. You had who, Alabama's quarterback is from is from California. Yeah. Now, why is he leaving the state of California? Because right. he felt like there was a better opportunity. And the yeah. reason why I bring that up is because you have to keep kids. And I'm not saying that you have to keep every single player because obviously players have different, you know, the majors, you know, sometimes yeah. they just want to leave Connecticut. Respect. But I think, I think, uh, who was it? Somebody tweeted out that it was the first time since 2000, maybe 2001, 2003, that Connecticut kept not just the New Haven Register top player, and which the was Cam Edwards. Well. Yeah. And also kept Victor Rosa, mm -hmm. who was from Bristol Central. Cam Edwards is from Norwalk. Yeah. And he was the Gatorade player of the year. So for Connecticut to keep those two, plus they got a player from Windsor and sprinkle mm -hmm. in some other guys. It's a very good step for them right now as far as – it's not – obviously, it's going to take a couple of years. Rome wasn't built in a day. Right. But for them, it's a positive step. Now you have people excited, which, let's be honest, people have not been excited about UConn football probably since Etzel's first, you know, go-around with UConn. Yeah. That's no disrespect to the coaches after. No, no, but it's it's the truth. I mean, it, it there was never a buzz – like the one they had when they were going into that Tostitos Bowl. There, I mean, a team with Donald Brown on it that was who was just a great back. I mean, you had a pretty loaded roster with guys from that tri-state area, from Connecticut, New Jersey, and New York, and it made it fun to watch. And when Edsel left in the way that he did also, which, you know, I think a lot of fans never forgave him for the way he left when he came back for the second go-around, um, especially me, I'm one of them. And it, the recruiting really hurt because teams like Michigan were able to build a pipeline in Penn state. Um, and then you had the best prep players leaving to go play college ball in the sec. Like uh, Josh Joby came up and played at Cheshire Academy for a year, was committed to Miami and then went to Alabama. Granted, he's probably a better player than he should be at UConn. I mean, he's going to get drafted this year, but to not make a legitimate run at guys like that. And we had Will Levis on the show, um, a few months back, he brought up UConn never really gave him a call until Penn State gave him his offer. And he had offers from North Carolina at that point. They came very late to the party. And if you want to keep those best players, you need to get on them very early, their sophomore year, and, and kind of uh, take away that option for them to go out of state to the Big Ten or to the Big 12 or the SEC. You need to wrangle in the best players from the state and keep them around. No, I agree with you. And I think to, to add to what you just said, and you said it very, very well, man. Uh, another thing, too, is because let's be honest, 
guys want to have an opportunity if they're going to college, like division one, even division two, division three, obviously to get their degree, but also too, if they have an opportunity to be able to get drafted. Yeah. Uh, there's a player who's actually from the NVL who plays for Anna Maria and has an opportunity because I was talking to their now head coach and coach Kroos, who's a former NVL guy, head coach at Holy Cross for a number of years. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think his name is Jude Sampson from Kennedy. Yeah. He has a chance to get drafted. And he said that I'm not thinking that he said that. And that's what yeah. made me follow it. Uh, these players in Connecticut want to find a way to be able to get themselves an opportunity for a shot at the NFL. Mm-hmm. And if UConn, can show like they are a pipeline. Not saying that they weren't a pipeline before. They had some guys. But with Etzel, I mean, there was a point where Connecticut was producing, I think they had the most guys in the NFL at one point, if you know, per capita. Yeah. According to what I read, you know, a little while ago. And also Coach Cross told me that as well. So if UConn can show that, that is honestly, yes, wins and losses are important. But if you can get guys to the NFL, that's the biggest attraction for getting kids in the state. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, that was a tough thing. Like you said, when Edsel left, that kind of dropped off a little bit. I mean, you had your big, your big name guys like a Byron Jones, make it to the league. Yep. I think he was under Diaco, um, which I still think is what was a very uh, quick and tried to make that quick fix higher. And he was yep. very uh, rah-rah and it felt uh, kind of fake to me um, the way he did, it, especially with the civil conflict, which was, uh, taken as a joke from U- UCF, um, which, which was, you know, me and my dad laugh about it every year when that game comes up. We we joke about that. But uh, if Mora is able to push these guys to the league and, you know, go from undrafted free agents and seventh rounders to mid t- mid-round guys, I mean, it looks like a guy like Travis Jones might even be a, a second rounder after his uh, couple we- or after his week at the Senior Bowl. So, I mean, this could – Travis Jones could really be the first step in bringing more recruits in if he gets drafted, and he wasn't even a Mora guy. So, that would be awesome. And, like, what Mora has been doing on social media, I think will be a pretty big boost for uh, UConn football. He's, he seems very engaged in the program and really wants to make it work. It, at least that's what the uh, public eye uh, looks like. No, I agree with you. You know, again, it's it's one of those things where – Social media could be your best friend or your worst enemy. And, you know, to the credit of Mora, also to, you know, I think another very not sneaky hire because I always thought he was going to be a coach somewhere, you know, at a top, you know, five school amongst the power five. But Mm -hmm. the former coach at Greenwich, who now decided to come back home. And, you know, I think, you know, and he was around too. He was at Arizona. He was at Illinois, I think, with Brett Bielema for a short time for about a year. But for him to want to come back, and it seems like just, again, I follow him on social media, always pumping out Connecticut. He was making the rounds. I mean, he knows the state better. I mean, no disrespect to, to Moore, Coach Moore. Right, right. He knows the state more because, obviously, he coached here. He knows Connecticut high school football. And also, too, he still has connections because of being a former coach. Yeah. You know, being in the FCAC and being able to – he saw some of the best players. So, yeah. for him – it's kind of like a, a cheat code in a way because he has those abilities to, to kind of shorten the uh, distance for more to be like, hey, here's the coach from Norwalk, Coach Miller. Here you go. Here's his number. Connect him on some kids that he has. There you go. Yeah, no, I especially with Marinelli being not too far removed from Connecticut high school football. He was exactly. – I think he was last there in 2019 when they won the state championship. And 
like you said, he coached some of the best players in the state, like Mozabichi. Um, and having that connection with that southern part of the state is going to be huge because those guys can easily leak out to the Big Ten in the SEC. And, you know, Michigan, after their big run, is very appealing, and especially with the pipeline they built up in Connecticut. Penn State will always have that lore of playing under the whiteout. I mean, that's one of the best atmospheres in college football, and kids always want to play under that. So getting fans excited about UConn football, well, I think will bring that atmosphere back to the rent and one that kids will want to play under. I mean, I was at games um, in between the uh, Edsel era and now where we would walk up and get $10 tickets and see them play Tulane and we're in the lower bowl with uh, like 2,000 other people. And, and, you know, it was disappointing to see. I want to see UConn football do good, but when you're not bringing in the right guys and you're trying to bring in two star guys from Texas versus three or four star guys from Connecticut, that's where you're going to get the result that you got eventually. And, and that's, you know, it came to a head and hiring Mora um, doesn't feel like that Diaco hire where it's a quick fix. It seems like they'll be, they'll have all the, all their eggs in the Mora basket for at least four or five years. And hopefully that builds up. And I think a good thing Mora did was he recruited a lot of, juco guys and fifth year transfers from ivy league schools um to kind of win now but he's also been recruiting on the back end and bringing guys to develop for four years to make them a win now and also a win down the line team which is a a really smart move you don't see that a lot in a full rebuild no i you know i'm with you on that i think for you know i think for mora to go the juco route because obviously juco and you see that in, in basketball as well, where a first year coach will kind of take guys in who, you know, if they're just getting out of JUCO or just looking for an option, you know, the fifth year guys, it's always good to get the guys who've been around for a couple of years, the veterans who, you know, can kind of lead the team and maybe help because let's be honest too, the coaches can only do so much. If the players aren't buying in, then he, you know, they're not going to believe what, no matter who's the coach that they're selling. So to get the veterans to kind of help the young pups, kind of show them how to prepare for a game, because let's be honest, these kids are very, very talented at the high school out here in Connecticut. It's a lot different compared to, now granted, preparing for Greenwich and Windsor is one thing, but even the worst teams in college football are better than the high school teams. I'm just being honest. So to have those older players to help guide the young pups, the Victor Rosas, Camp Edwards, I can go on and on and on. It's going to help their development. And I think, again, I don't, I don't want to say that if UConn won two games that there wouldn't be, like everybody be jumping for joy. Mm-hmm. I think if UConn could win five, six, I think it would be, it'd be great. If they make a bowl game, you might as well make a stature for more. Seriously. Oh, yeah. I think for them, it's just get some, because right now everybody's excited for, for UConn football. They haven't been like that in some time. No, no. And that, that's a really good point you brought up with uh, Rosa and like the young guys coming in is a uh, guy, guy like him. He was playing every position at Bristol Central yep. was had a, an unreal amount of all purpose yards. So for him to kind of step in uh, to UConn and get under the wing of some of the older guys to kind of just know that you're going to be playing one position. You don't have to do everything will definitely mm-hmm. be big. And that's, I think, a big switch from high school to college is a lot of guys that were studs at the high school level might think that it's going to be the same at the college level where 
you know, I'm the star. I'm going to do what I have to do to win games. But in reality, you don't have to do that. You just have to do your job and do enough to help your other teammates out to win games. And, and that'll be a big thing with bringing in veteran fifth year guys and junior college guys that have been in the circuit and worked with, uh, you know, they, they know what college football is all about. And especially too with Rosa. I mean, people may forget Rosa committed to UConn before Mora was there. So for him to stay there and really, and I know, you know, I talked to Rosa from time to time. He went through the process. He's a very mature young man. His family is great. You know, they support him obviously through and through. I know they didn't push him wherever he wanted to go. They were going to support him, but for him to stay there after going through the necessary process and stay committed shows that, okay, if you can keep a kid like that here, that is a trickle down effect because Bristol central is one of those, like, it's not a town, but it's like, I call it like a mini city where there's a lot, like there's so much, you know, they have a player in uh, in Hickey who, you know, Nathan Hickey, who is at Yale right now. And he's, he's probably going to own a $5 billion company one day because he's just wicked smart. Mm -hmm. Um, Bristol Central produces so much, and so does Eastern too. Both those schools produce so much talent. That's one spot that you could go to and find a diamond in the rough, you know, and and there's, you know, there's other schools too, just like that here in Connecticut. And again, going back to Rosa with the the mature pick of, you know, kind of, kind of staying with UConn, he had other offers that were to very impressive schools. He had a handful of Ivy leagues like Columbia and Dartmouth, along with the service academies, like, Navy, I believe he had an offer from Air Force. I'm not sure if he had Army. I mean, those are, when you're looking at it, very tough to turn down because of the job opportunities when you're out of it. Granted, your opportunity to go to the NFL is a little bit lower when you go to the service academies. And mm-hmm. having to serve after could be a deterrent for some kids. But, you know, to not, to, to stick at UConn um, and, you know, stay to his roots is a huge thing. And if you get guys with his same mindset of wanting to play in state, and make UConn football better and bring it back to where it was when Edsel was first here, that's the step in the right direction. And it's an exciting one. And that's the lure, I think, that Mora and, you know, the, the staff of UConn, I think that is such, you know, because let's be honest, kids in Connecticut, not knowing how kids are in other states, just knowing from Connecticut, you know, Connecticut, because I talk to them, I know you talk to them, we all do it, the media, you know, I think, they, they play with a little extra chip because they're in the Northeast. In baseball, they're not playing year-round. They have to fight and claw just to get on the, you know, like Mazzucato from East Catholic. Yeah. He was a basically unknown, a UConn commit through and through, and then he had one of the best seasons that high school baseball has ever seen, and then he was picked, I think, number six by Kansas City. Yeah. Now making millions. And, you know, kids in Connecticut, and he's just one example where – they fight and they claw and they, they have something to prove. And I just feel like that's kind of the, the golden ticket for every one of these kids that Mora and the rest of the staff can go like, you could change this program around here in Connecticut. You, you, the base of Connecticut could bring UConn back to relevance again in college football. And I think that is something where a lot of these kids in Connecticut are like, yeah, I want to be a part of that because if you do that, you will be, not a hero because yeah like I think hero is for obviously the first responders and for you know firefighters especially because of the COVID pandemic but amongst sport the the sport people who follow it you will be heroes definitely and and, 
you know, I do think it's an interesting thing with how Mora built his staff. You kind of see it a little bit at UMass, the way that Don Brown built his staff and the way UMass kind of went about it because UMass brings in, you know, a guy that's had success elsewhere. Um, he, he's a, a respected coach and Mora had uh, good success in the NFL. And then Don Brown brings in guys that either A, he's worked with in the past or B, local high school coaches. Like he brought in the Springfield Central head coach, I believe is now the tight ends coach. So when you do that, you really open up your roots to um, recruit in the state and keep the best talent around, which, you know, it, it all comes back to that. It is the most important thing. And like you said, I do agree with that chip on the shoulder. You, you get disrespected enough uh, as, as a state and as a, uh, a sports state that, that eventually guys are going to start balling out more and more and working a lot harder. So it, that, that's definitely the uh, awesome thing about it. Yeah, talent's here, man. It's here. Chris, I know you got to run. Uh, one last question before you go. Um, definitely with your job, I'm assuming you're doing a lot of traveling. What is your – give me kind of your pre, pre-road pre trip, pre-going somewhere um, itinerary. What's on the – what are you listening to? What is your gas station stop? What are the snacks that you are grabbing to uh, get yourself from point A to point B? What's that all look like? Because everybody's got a different – uh, either a uh, ritual or maybe change it up, but everybody does this. They stop at a Cumbies and throw either their Spotify or Apple music on and uh, kind of lock in. Well, it's funny because other than getting gas, I usually don't get anything at a gas station. I typically bring something with me, either my jug or I'll bring like a protein shake. Yep. And then on Spotify, you know, I'm a, he- you know, I'm a, I'm a heavy country slash rap guy. So I'll listen to like Travis Scott, Blake Shelton. And then also for podcasts, you know, I love the herd. You know, I try to watch that if I'm not between my full-time job and broadcasting. If I have a chance, I'd love to be able to catch the herd. Like today, I missed it, but, you know, Colin Coward. Also, first things first, I watch in the morning before I go to work. Um, you know, podcasts are some of the best things. And, you know, I love the fact of what you're doing. You know, podcasts are great because it allows people to see different voices, different perspectives, and not the same cut and dry same person over and over. Like, I know I mentioned the herd, but that's a big time sports show. Yeah. There's other podcasts. There's other shows out there that if you don't like his, listen to some, and that's, you know, that's the beauty of podcasts. You have different shows that you can listen to. If you don't like this one, you can go to that one and so on and so forth. Yeah. Well, Chris, I appreciate you coming on. Definitely want to talk to you again down the line. Um, maybe around tournament time for uh, UConn basketball or uh, definitely down the line when UConn football is getting ready to start and the high school season is going to start. But, uh, yeah, uh, I appreciate you coming on. Um, make sure you guys go listen to the CT Talent Show podcast. Uh, is that YouTube? Is that on all platforms? It's just on YouTube, and then I post it all over my social media as well. Great. So make sure you check that out on YouTube. And uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the My Parents Office podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes. We'll be dropping this upcoming week. I was trying to slide. Go bananas trying to be the apple of your eye. Real shit, baby. Got me stressed on vacation. No escaping. Playing with my head and my heart. She would shut me up quick. Like, don't.